Hello and welcome to the Pelican Project Podcast. I'm Crystal. And I'm Kelly. We want to welcome you and invite you to join us here at our table for conversation. So we, um, this week just came back from kind of a really fun trip. Yeah. Long trip. Long. Long trip. If we're, if we're going to be honest, I was dreading it. Yeah. I was dreading the drive. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a long day in the car. Um, so we actually drove from here to the Diocese Pastoral Center in Savannah, Georgia, which is a good little over four-hour drive. So we yeah. did the four hours in, had a great conversation. We're there for maybe a total of two and a half hours-ish. Yeah. yeah. And then brought the, the four hours back. But it was well worth it, I think. It was yeah. a great, really, really fun time, really good conversation, I think. We're actually been invited to be on the... Um, I believe it's Catholic Y'all podcast from the Diocese of Savannah. So stay tuned for that one. We'll let you know when that's out. But yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. So that conversation we went and had with Patrick was recorded. Yes. <laughs> it was recorded. You'll be able to be a part of it. Um, I know it was, I loved that experience. It really it was, was It was really great. So Patrick, what is his title over in the Diocese of Savannah? Shout out to Patrick. <laughs> Director of Fellowship and Life. He wears probably 42 hats because right. I feel like I what him. he does encompasses a lot of different aspects within family life and, and parish life and, and how he's supporting the faithful in that way um, under Bishop Parks. Right. But um, he has been just a fabulous person to meet, mm-hmm. and I look forward to getting to know him better. His wife um, also is um, seems to be... Uh, we have not met her and we want to right. meet her, but the Looking more we've heard about her, she just seems to be, you know, just really on fire for the faith too. And, um, yeah. so we had a great conversation about the Pelican project and yeah, the drive wasn't even that bad. Oh my gosh, guys, I got pulled over. <laughs> I've never gotten a speeding ticket, um, ever. And I'm not a fast driver. Right. So, um, I like, you know, I have a Brown minivan. It's called the Mia van because it's my daughter etched her name into the side of right. the minivan a long time ago when she was little. She didn't know she was like damaging personal property. But <laughs> um, yeah, so we never got it fixed. So my car literally says Mia yeah. on it. Um, this van has been all over the world, literally. Mm-hmm. It has gone across oceans. It's been all, all over Europe. Um, yeah. We lived in the desert of El Paso with it. So the Mia van is my trusty vehicle. And I was driving, it does not go much. Like, if you go 71, the car will start to shake. <laughs> so I'm always, like, the 69, like, 70 hover there. And I just put on cruise control, and we're good. And we were coming into, like, a, I don't know. Like, there was a... A more rural area where apparently we missed that the... the the speed limit changed. Yes, the speed limit changed. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a cop behind us. I think I'm getting pulled over. Yes, yes, you are. And Crystal was like, no, he's just on a call. Just, just, he'll go around you. And he definitely didn't go no, around me. Definitely so got her. I pulled over and the, the cop comes up and he's like, you in a rush? And I'm like, actually, not at all. <laughs> we were making great time. I was not in a rush. <laughs> we were so. making great time for a reason. Yeah, I guess. We- we were making great time because I was I was going fast apparently. So I was going seventy, but it had gone down to fifty-five. Yeah. And um and I explained to him like, no, I, I had it on cruise control. Like I know I was going seventy. Like no right. argument from me. Yeah. And so um he but he was very, very kind and um he listened to the conversation. He let me go with a warning. Um yeah. which was very gracious of him. 
Very gracious. Mercy. And mercy. It Very was, merciful. I think maybe he ran maybe my license and saw that I had never gotten a moving violation or something. I don't know. But I'm very clean. I was thankful to him for the rest of the trip. I'm thankful for, I don't know, my guardian angel on that one. Because right. that would have been a hefty fine. So I'm thankful. And then when we got there, it was wonderful. We had this great conversation. And I think I think what was really interesting with the conversation is, you know, our local community here, right. like our, our circle of friends, yes, our board, mm-hmm. you know, Teresa and, you know, the people yeah. who mm-hmm. we're, you know, we encounter here most, you know, Joni, for example. Right. Um, we're used to all having very similar experiences. Mm-hmm. So having worked together at a crisis pregnancy center, doing sidewalk advocacy together. Right. So when we're talking about being pro-life and, and this pro-life conversation and having to, you know, build up the domestic church to reawaken a, a culture of life, we kind of just make this like, you know, you kind of take for granted the experiences right. you've, you've had, had, the things you've learned. So when we were talking to Patrick, I think what we realized with his questions was like, wow, like, you know, there are individuals who have served in other capacities in, in the pro-life, um, you know, and in the church. But maybe this particular space, especially working with um, abortion-minded women or right. outside, you know, praying outside an abortion clinic itself. Hasn't necessarily had those experiences. Exactly. Yeah. And so the things that we were saying, he was like, you know, definitely curious about. So it just really offered beautiful conversation. But one of the really interesting things that it, it kind of boiled down to at one point, we kept on coming back to this point, was the concept of us, quote unquote, mm-hmm. us, quote, pro-lifers. Versus them, quote, pro-abortion right. or pro-choice people. Um, and so we were talking about this us versus them dynamic and how dangerous it is. Yes. And and it can be very toxic way to encounter the entire conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we experienced that for sure when we were when we were at um, outside, you know, doing sidewalk advocacy. And I think the first time that it really hit home for me mm-hmm. was during 40 Days for Life. Okay. Um, because what was happening is that we were having people come, which is amazing. I mean, 40 days right. for life is a phenomenal, um, project by right. which the entire world is praying, fervently yes. praying, um, and intentionally praying and praying on site at, so if you're not familiar with 40 days for life for 40 days in the fall and the spring, right. um, because 40 days is a very you know important biblical, you know, period of time of prayer, intentional prayer. You go and seek out an abortion facility where your only role is to be there to pray and to be a witness for life. Um, And it really just lends itself to the power of prayer. And it's been a very fruitful campaign. Mm -hmm. It's all over the world. So anyways, when we were doing this outside the PRC we worked at, there were a lot of people who were coming to pray outside an abortion clinic for the very first First time. time. Yeah, they hadn't had that experience yet before. And to see it, to see it, and so on an abortion morning, when you have thirty cars coming in, it's overwhelming. It is, it is heartbreaking. It is so yeah. overwhelming. And what we were seeing is, rather than in the beginning, at least for our community, because it was so new, was people were just full of questions. Yes, they were like, "Oh my gosh!" And, and the things that they were saying, I don't want to necessarily hold against them because it's, I think it's sometimes, you know, things obviously I wouldn't hold against them, but there were things that maybe you think, but they were saying out loud, like some of the things they were saying, for example, were, oh my gosh, look at that person. They're showing up in, you know, a 
a Cadillac Escalade? How do they need an abortion? I mean, what, right. They don't think they can afford a baby. Look at what kind of car they can afford. And so what those conversations, they were speaking out of, I think, shock. Yes. And so there was no filter. Right. But also it opened the door for really beautiful conversation of like, oh, we'll hit the pause button there because actually um, it is not only for, you know, people do not seek abortions or feel like they have no choice but to abort their baby because of money of money or finding reason. Exactly. And so, you know, people who are very wealthy. Yes. Certainly seek out um, abortions and so it was a great conversation of like, there's lots of reasons why people feel like. Let's talk about that. And let's talk about it. That That's what yeah. was the gift there. But so it was kind of like this, or another example would be, there were moms mm-hmm. who would show up and they would take their daughters in. Yeah. And so you would have women, men, women on the sidewalk looking and kind of almost thinking like, oh my gosh, look at that, look at that mother bringing that child. Right. It was very... It, it, for a lot of people, especially the ones, is very voyeuristic. Absolutely, of. like yes. you're looking through. It's almost like watching something that you've only ever heard about taking place, and it's just really it's shocking to the system. I it think. is shock, shocking to the system, and so you know you would have a you know, would say, "Oh my gosh, look at that woman!" Like I would never bring my daughter for, but well, obviously you wouldn't because you're over here praying, right? But let's but, let's talk about that. Like right. let's talk about this us versus them because the reality is you and this woman live in the same community, mm-hmm. and you have just put a wall up between you and her, right? Like for some, in some way, you are better than she is, mm-hmm. um, and that's a dangerous line dangerous. of thinking. That's a um, an evil way of thinking. Right. Right. So there's a few things that I I kind of hope we can unpack here is one of the most important things to remember is um, when you're kind of talking about the us versus them mentality, you have separated your neighbor from yourself, Mm -hmm. which completely um, words are hard. It, it completely, um, not rejects, but it rejects the pillar of truth that we acknowledge that we are entrusted to one one another. another. And so when you do that and you, you do, you put that, um, you know, stake in between one another, drawing that line in the sand, draw that line in the sand. You're no longer looking towards that person, um, made in the image and likeness of God, loving this person and desiring the very best because now you're over here just pointing fingers and saying, well, I don't know why they do that. And kind of, they are other than or less than. Exactly. Your, your, even your prayer becomes condescending. Yes. Um, so the way we would be able to respond to, to those conversations really would would be to just share certain anecdotes mm-hmm. of things that happened on the sidewalk to say, okay, well, what you're seeing here is a, is a mom taking her daughter to have an abortion. Um, so you've already separated yourself from this other woman who would and could and maybe and should be a sister in Christ to you. Right. For example, we had um, an anecdote I would share, you know, was we had a woman, she was a college student. She was studying nursing and she showed up to get an abortion and and she was with her mom, but her Mm -hmm. mom was there because her mom was really desiring for her to choose life. Um, and she had stepped into the conversation saying like, I'm going to help you every way, you know, every yeah. turn. I know you're in school, you know, I can watch the baby while you're in school, you know, but you, I know your heart, you're going to regret this. Yes. You are a mom. 
you're going to mourn the loss of your child. I want to prevent you from doing this thing that's not only going to hurt you, but in the life of my grandbaby. Um, So these are conversations that this mom is having with the daughter on the way to the abortion clinic. And as they're getting out of the car and going into the abortion clinic, you have people kind of over on our side that we're actually listening to and hearing like, oh my gosh, look at that mom. Yeah. And so the damage, I mean, we don't even have to explain what damage you could do at that point. But really the way that situation played out, the mom ended up coming back out um, and the daughter was really struggling. Um, And so they came and spent some time talking with us, which was great. And that that was private and personal um, conversation. So the rest of the people praying weren't really privy to that information. But later when we shared with them, you know, and and the mom had gone over and, and spoken to everyone else, but this young nursing student was scared. And she was there for chemical abortion and you could see her. She had like one foot kind of on both sides in terms of, I don't want to do this, but I'm so scared. Long story short, we talked to her for like 35 minutes, 45 minutes, and she ended up going in and having the the abortion. So she received her chemical abortion. um, And just a little like asterisk here. A chemical abortion is not just you take a pill and all of a sudden you're not pregnant. Right. A chemical abortion, and I'm just going to give a disclaimer, if anyone is queasy or, you know, you have little ones around, pause this, but a chemical abortion, the first dose actually, um, it stops the production of the hormones in your body that That feed the baby, that feed the baby, that nourish the baby, that are life necessary for sustaining life within the womb. And when that hormone is shut off, the baby then stops starves to death, right. is no longer Ceases nourished, them, yeah. and dies. And then the second dose of medicine... Taken generally the next day. Yes. 24 hours later, 12 hours later yeah. sometimes, then causes contractions. So you actually... I guess the term would be to expel the expel baby the from baby. the uterus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, for all intents and purposes, labor that baby. Yes. Um, you know, obviously the child is, the unborn child is much smaller and mm-hmm. it's much, but it can be excruciating, mm-hmm. very painful. There's a lot of blood involved. I would imagine there'd be, a, it's just scary. I picture just scary. Yeah. I mean, um, Abby Johnson, yep. Dr. Johnson, she yes. talks about in some of her books, she actually had two Unplanned, yeah. chemical abortions, I think. I know that there was one. Okay. I think I'm going to go with one. I, I don't want to misspeak on that. Yeah. Um, maybe she, but she did receive two. Abortions, yes. Right? Yeah. I think one was. One chemical. was chemical. Okay. And and she recounts her experience as being horrific. Um, yes. And so, you know, in today's culture, now chemical abortions, they are available at CVS. Right. Um, and other pharmacies near you. So it's touted as this safe kind of easy way to become unpregnant. The reality is it's very invasive. It's very dramatic. Um, it can be very dangerous. So this young woman did go home and do this and it was a terrible experience for her. Yes. And she called me the next day and she was sobbing and she said, you know, Hey, it's me. I'm, I'm such and such. I met you yesterday. And she just needed to talk to somebody about her experience. And she was actually seeking some, some post-abortive care. Um, and she was sobbing and, yeah. and the things she was describing to me that happened in the bathroom were horrific to hear. I can Mm -hmm. imagine more horrific to experience. But what was so beautiful in that moment and what we were from kind of that experience on use this particular story as an anecdote for anybody who was really speaking with that us versus them mentality. 
was that when you put up a wall, mm-hmm. you put up a wall from now until forever. Yeah. But if you don't put up that wall and you don't see it as an us versus them, but you see it as, okay, you have somebody who is struggling and it's a sister or brother in Christ who needs to be loved well in that moment, this young woman felt confident enough that we would not judge. Right. She was not going to call me and say, I had the most, the worst night of my life. And I wasn't going to say, I told you so. Right. You weren't exactly that you weren't, well, that's too bad. And hang up yeah, the phone. I'm I, done with you now. You exactly. went through with the, you went through with the abortion. So I have no exactly need to speak to you again. We, as a, as advocates for life are not there, you know, only to save the life of that unborn child. Right. We are there just as much to honor and serve the mother and the father if mm-hmm. they're from, you know, whatever they're struggling with, yeah. to love them through it. Right. And I, I think that's what it is. I think the thing to keep in mind is that everyone that you, anywhere you are, um, that you may feel like you have a difference of opinion with on these important subjects, just remember that they are in a different, a different place in their faith journey. Because if you think back to it, I have not always been a Catholic Christian person. I have not always followed the teachings of the Catholic Church. I mean, I didn't come into the church until I was was 31. I mean, (laughs) I was, you know, not even, I was actually much older, um, in my 30s. But, and and Kelly, like, you've gone through your own unplanned pregnancy. You know, you, you were that girl. Going into the abortion clinic, and you know, I'm different. And luckily, you know, our Lord brought you back out, but you were at one point in a different place in your faith journey. And you just have to remember that in every encounter that you have with people, you know, it is not us against them. We are all in this, you know, the cliched term at this point, we're all in this together in one way, shape, or form, but we are all just in different places in our faith journey, and we have to help each other through it. Yeah. Like, you're with that encounter with someone, your job in that moment is to help them continue on that faith journey. Like give them the information. Your, yeah. your job may not be to convince them. Your job is, yeah, yeah, never. Never to convince them, but it's to, to give them the information and give through love, yeah. you know, from a loving place. It's not a condescension. It's not a, you should do this because I know better than you. It's, Look, I love you. Love means to will the good of another person. And sometimes that's not giving into what feels good for them at the time, but making sure that like, look, it's not, it's not necessarily your happiness I'm looking for in this very moment. It's making sure that you get to heaven yeah, and helping you on that journey. Exactly. And it's never, you know, especially on the sidewalk, it's never a level of like, you know, so many people are like, um, you know, I'm, I'm here to save babies. Right. Yeah. Yes. Are, are we all here like to save yes. babies? 100%. But the reality is, is that I don't have the power to save anything No. in as a, as a person, I am weak and sinful myself, but I am here as an instrument of the Holy spirit. And if, and I am here to allow the Holy spirit to work through me to encounter the person who is having a really, maybe the worst day of their life. Right. So if the Holy Spirit desires for me to be the instrument by which this person is served with his love, 
Mm -hmm. um, and his hope and his mercy, then my job is to open my heart and allow that to happen while recognizing my own sinfulness and my own unworthiness. And I think when you can, when you recognize how much you need him and you need help and you have fallen, when you come from that perspective, you recognize there's no, there's no us versus them. It's literally just the body of Christ who there is a member over here that is hurting and we're going to rally around that member um, and try and, and offer, you know, that, you know, hope and healing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So now for the people who are listening mm-hmm. at home um, and saying, well, the title of this podcast is the parent being the most important teacher. Yeah. What does this have to do with that? Well, yeah. So, you know, and, and that was a greatly, you know, a great part of the conversation in Savannah, right. really what it comes down to is when you are on the sidewalk, that's an, one example. If you are a high school student in a classroom where you're having a conversation and it becomes moral or ethical and you are the one person that is, you know, has this like, no, this is wrong. You know, yeah, we, you know, or if you are somebody in a workplace where something is happening and you're like, no, this is wrong. I need to stand up for what I believe in. Um, how do you do that? What does that look like? Right. Is it an us versus them, a me versus them? Right. Well, our suggestion really in, in reawakening a culture of life and in talking to our kids and, and um, is to recognize that we can find a common ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeking common ground is really seeking whatever space you can um, have that encounter with somebody that's honest and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think through scripture, how many times did Christ never, of course, never backed down from his right. teaching. Like he was a very clear, you know, he's Jesus Christ. Right. He always spoke a very bold truth and never often, watered it down. Never watered it down. He often, you know, obviously really pissed people off <laughs> to the point of his crucifixion. Right. Um, but that wasn't his desire. His desire was to meet people where they were at and find the common ground of like, okay, hey, for example, you're pro-choice or you're an abortion worker. Right. You probably someplace within your heart have a desire to serve women. Yes. We disagree deeply on what that looks like. Fundamentally disagree, ethically disagree. But what we can start with is our desire our common desire to serve in some capacity and then we can walk from there. Right. Um, and what, what I think that is, is just an invitation to somebody mm-hmm. to have for two people to come together and to, to actually will the good of another. Right. Like you can say like, I am going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you desire, you know, to help people that you desire good. I desire good for you. Mm-hmm. So that's our common ground and that's a way where you kind of level the playing field. And then, and then you kind of are able to speak and to witness and to share objective truth from a place of, um, a lack of con, you know, no condescension or right. no, you know, us versus there's no wall in between you. Right. Well, where do you learn how to do that? You learn how to do that at home, right? You know, in the school of love, because right. that's, that's what the domestic church is. It is the school of love. And I, I, all this sounds really kind of convoluted because it's really hard. Like, okay, you're on the sidewalk and you have people going in for abortions. <laughs> we have these pro-life, this conversation, but it all comes down to, okay, how do we stand 
shoulder to shoulder with people who actually vehemently disagree with everything we stand for and love them well and still serve them in a way that is totally Christ-like. Right. You have to, you have to see them in the way Christ sees them. And that means that it has to be with no wall, no condescension, and it has to be purely rooted in love. Right. And you learn how to do that at home. You learn how to do that at home. The parent is the one that's responsible for making sure that you're teaching that to your kid. You can't send them, you can't send them to school for that. You can't send them to church for that necessarily. Like it is up to you. You can't say, oh, well, you know, I, I send my child to Sunday school. And so that's taken care of. No, actually. That's up to us. That is our role. That's our job. Yeah, and it, and and the, what that looks like is is how you how you the atmosphere in your home. Yeah. Um. And with recognizing that homes are imperfect, mm-hmm. and that there there is going to be, you know, me and my brothers, we were raised the same way. I have <laughs> a brother who is yeah. has very different beliefs. <clears throat> from my own, mm-hmm. um, the reality is, is that this home, this space, the domestic church, you know, I think there's something really funny about like, you know, what God has done in this space because he brings people together who are sometimes so different yes, and who encounter conversations differently and who have different temperaments. And then you're all supposed to live in, in between these four walls and you're supposed to love them well and serve them and, and grow and wish them the very best when they're the exact person that drives you absolutely crazy every single Some day. Some days are easier than others. Yes. Let's just be honest. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about when I was young and my siblings oh, yeah. and, and then you think about, you know, your encounter with your your parents, you know, as a teen and a oh, teenage. So really like within the home, you have the opportunity to serve when you don't want to serve right? and to love when it's hard, when it's, hard. When it's most hard. It's really hard sometimes. Yeah. I mean, scripture says it's so hard to be a prophet in your own mm-hmm. neighborhood, your own home, because Oh, that, you know, they know your sinfulness, right? They know your weaknesses. And so when you're trying to say like, Hey, you know, this is important to me, or I'm going to stand for that. Oh, look at you trying to be, you know, like, Oh, look at you. Look, you're trying to be all righteous. Exactly. So as a parent, it's your job to say, okay, you know, how do we, you're the moderator and you're the example. Mm -hmm. So how are you, how is your relationship with your friends? your relationship with your children, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your parents, your relationship with your extended family. You set the tone. You teach your kids how to encounter people that have completely different beliefs than you, right. that drive you crazy, that do not appreciate when you work hard and make a nice meal and they yeah. don't even help you clean it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't get her started. Don't get me started. I mean, that's just an example of what can easily ruffle, you know, feathers in any home. Right. But like, that is the school of love, the domestic church. And this is where you learn how to encounter people, the us versus them mentality yeah. of like, we are not on the same page, but I am commanded to love, love you and to be a witness yes. of Christ's love and to do it in a way that there is zero condescension and it is complete humility. It is the place where you practice taking the lowest seat. Yeah, You go last. That's the place where if you you sharpen your skills That's it. of living as a disciple. And once you, and, and the gift is it never stops. So like as a, as a mom, 
yes, I am my child's most important teacher. So is my husband. Um, But as a parent, I'm still learning this lesson. And at the same time, so it's interesting, like when you go home for family vacations or stuff like that, where you're back in that dynamic of your parent, you're there with your parents. Yes. And you're still being schooled sometimes. Yes, yes, you're still You know, seeing. like as a... Absolutely. I'm still a child of my parents and, and I'm still... Yeah, it's continuous. Yeah, you keep learning. And and that's the beauty of, of the home or the family. And, you know, families look different. You know, there, yeah. are, there are some people who do not necessarily have um, the support structure right. that they desire, but you know, you have the family you're born with. And then really, as you get older, there's a, a kind of a family okay. that you make, you, you create right. for sure. Um, but it's that space of dealing with conflict and dealing with the ups and the downs and the suffering and serving one another. Well, right. if you can, if you can take that seriously, and you do take it seriously and you desire to grow and better yourself in that space, then when you walk out your front door every day, and you find yourself at an abortion facility praying for somebody and being able to encounter them, you're not, you're not, you haven't put yourself on a pedestal. Right. And you can use those virtues, those muscles to encounter another brother or sister in Christ and to just desire the very best for them, even if they're doing something that you completely disagree with. And of course, when you're out there, there's never in, you know, our belief in the, in the Catholic faith, in God's teaching, never an acceptable reason to abort your child. Right. Um, but entering into every encounter with an ear for their pain, what brought them there, what brought them there and being able to minister to the broken pieces that they have, you know, they're shuffling along. Um, that's what God desires us to do. And that's, we learn how to do it at home. And that's, you know, I was, gosh, on the last podcast, what was it the civic leader thing? Oh no, I think it was the Savannah, podcast. Savannah podcast. So it was kind of funny, you know, maybe to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter, Fiona is learning about government and she's taking being a civic right. leader very seriously, which I love. Um, and she was saying, you know, um, you have to be a good civic leader to, you know, have a good you know community. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. how do you be a good civic leader? And she was like, oh, I don't even know. Maybe that's tomorrow. I don't know. We didn't get to that yet. Um, So I said to her, well, I would suggest that you be a good civic leader by by being a um, good community leader. And how do you be a good community leader? You you start that at home in the family because families make up communities. So be nice to your sister. So be nice to your sister. (laughs) And if you know how to do that well, then then you go off to the playground and, and you're a great set of kiddos that are encountering your neighbor and inviting mm-hmm. them into the fold and being kind rather than you guys fighting and clashing within the, the home, mm-hmm. going out, going to the playground, bringing and that fight, fight out there chair. and then sowing seeds of, of discontent discourse, and discourse. Yes. Right. It's just, she really thought about it and she was like, yeah, that makes sense. And, and it really does. And I think it was a great reminder for me. Yeah. It was a great reminder for me. So. Isn't that funny how that happens so often? You're having those conversations with your kids and you're like, yeah, I might be able to use that. Right. <laughs> right. I might be able to use I that. I might be able to use that coming up. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I feel like we went around the bush a few times to get to this, the point, but I think, um, you know, there's, good. there's a lot, there's a lot that happens every day and there's a lot 
of pieces and layers um, to who we are, who God mm-hmm. created us to be. And um, while sin is very simple, it's disobeying God, we are led to sin and tempted to sin because of a lot of um, there's, you know, um, the culture that, yeah. that has lied to us, a lot of deception, a lot of um, lack of healing, right. lack of trust, lack of mercy from our, our neighbors. And so as we kind of muddle through our day to day, we are justifying behaviors that are not right, but they allow us to just keep moving. Mm-hmm. And um, we can really, we can solve those problems at, at home, really. that That's the space where it needs to be solved. 100%. So uh, yeah, parents, you're your kid's most important teacher and it matters more than you know. And we encourage you to download this week's progressor projectministry.org. Um, we're going to stop talking here because we're going to continue to confuse people as we just ranted and of all of it. But. So until next time, friends, you are in our prayers. Please.